welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast that's all in the name. Good coffee with great conversation. Here's your host, Larry Vincent. Hey guys, welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast. I am your host, Larry Vincent, for season four. Season four of the of the podcast, and and I am, as the kids say, t- tickled pink. I, I I really don't think the kids say that though. Uh, so let me let me uh, introduce our our first guest this uh, for this season. Uh, this season we're going to be talking about uh, addiction. Uh, we're going to talk about recovery, especially uh, because of, as as if you know, uh, many of you know in the uh, listening audience, or maybe you don't. Uh, I have uh, left my position at Cornerstone as the outreach pastor, connections pastor, uh, to uh, to start up a uh, as a community pastor of a postgraduate recovery program, which we're going to get to in just a minute. Uh, but addiction recovery is uh, is the name of my game for a little while, and I'm excited about helping my brothers and sisters in Christ get through. Something that uh, a lot of us have faced in our time. So with that said, uh, I am going to uh, press this coffee while I introduce our guest. Uh, He is a a good friend of mine, uh, a mentor, uh, and the chairman of Community Transformation Partners uh, in Liston, Indiana, or Pittsburgh, if you want to get technical with details. All right. (laughs) So Mr. Uh, Tom Bell. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. Uh, so, Tom, as I get our coffee ready, sir, uh, why don't you uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, biographically speaking? Biographically? Yeah, like, you know, who you are, family. Okay. Never heard it put that way before, but I yeah. learn a new word here. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what happens when you get those degrees on the wall, Tom. <laughs> Wait till we have coffee. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. All right, go ahead. Fill so, in. Yeah, I have uh, been a Hendricks County resident my entire life, and my father and his father, believe it or not, back into the 1800s, I think it was 1836. Wow. We were one of the first three families in this county, so we have a lot of heritage here. And um, this is where I met my wife, uh, actually, at the church that you just uh, pastored at, Cornerstone. She stood up one morning and sang a song about Christ and I watched her face as she sang that song, and I just knew. So we went out on a date, and uh, several dates, as a matter of fact. And shortly thereafter, before I went back to college at Penn State, I uh, I asked her to marry me, and she said yes. And a year later, we were. That was about 37 years ago. And so we have a son and a daughter and uh, three grandkids to kind of fast-forward the legacy. And, and, and they're still here in Henderson County, so... Uh, we love this place. We love the people in this place, and uh, we're loved by God. So we got it made. Amen. Amen. Now uh, let's talk about something else we love: coffee. Now, before you take a, a, a drink, we oh, have okay. this tradition here at Coffee Conversation okay. called the first sip. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, usually, how this goes is I tell everybody what we're drinking, uh, what coffee I'm enjoying, and the water that my guest is enjoying, because very few of our guests in coffee. In conversation, actually enjoy no coffee. It's it's it's, it's been amazing to, to even to know because like I just assume everyone likes coffee. Uh, yeah. So you know, uh, and so like, they come in here, and I'm like, okay, what coffee would you like? And they're like, yeah, I'll take a tea or oh, a juice oh, or a water. And I'm like, but the name. Like, okay. <laughs> so, but we don't judge. We don't judge. So uh, you came in here talking about how awesome this smelled, right? There is. This is uh, from our friends at Hoosier Warrior Coffee, which is a local, veteran-owned 
coffee company uh, who is who is gracious enough to uh, to have donated the coffee supply for CTV. Uh, and so we are giving them a shout out. If you would yeah. like some of their coffee, HoosierWayerCoffee.com. Uh, Alan and Courtney are amazing people. So with that said, I forget what blend this is, uh, but let's go ahead and take our first sip. First sip. Oh, it's so good. Love it. That's their basic training. I can already tell. That's their basic training. Um, yeah. Good aftertaste too. Yeah, yeah. It's their fall one. So anyway, really good. Uh, we officially taken the first sip. Uh, we are so excited that you're on the show today. Uh, what I want to talk about today, Tom, is uh, what exactly Community Transformation Partners, or CTP as it's going to be referred to for the rest of this podcast, because my mouth is going to get tired <laughs> saying Community <laughs> Transformation yeah, Partners right. every CTP five seconds. It is. CTP it is. So tell us a little bit about um, what CTP is first off, and then we'll go back and talk about how it got started. Yeah, well, we know today, we didn't know a couple years ago when this was just a vision in God's mind that he was trying to transport over to here, but uh, we know now that it's a place that postgraduate uh, residents from a one-year program can come, and the goal is not just to stay clean, but to go on and develop a life that wins Yeah, in Christ. I like Second Peter chapter 1. It talks about these other qualities that add to your faith character, knowledge, right. know, self-control, all those things. That's what we're about. The The first place they go is where they develop faith. Then they come here to let God develop the rest. We surround them with a bunch of mentors like you and I, a bunch of grandfather and fathers, older brothers that they can uh, be able to do life with. Are you an older brother, father, or grandfather? <laughs> uh, I hate to say that. I'd probably be the grandfather. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. Uh, I couldn't resist the joke. Now, you use an interesting word, Tom, uh, post, postgraduate. Yes. Okay. Uh, a lot of people haven't heard that term uh, before. Uh, what does it mean to be a postgraduate recovery program? Yeah, that's a good question. So they have to complete a program right now, um, naively, since this is still really new. We know that to mean they went through a one-year program at one of our vetted partners, Trinity Life Ministry in Crawfordville, Indiana. Right. Their executive director, Phil Gabriel. So if they complete that program, which is hard to do. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of training. There's a lot of change. There's a lot of steps that God takes these men through. Right. And if they're blessed enough to make it all the way through and graduate then I believe that they, they're they ready to take the next step. And right. that's to plug back into society and to become whatever God calls them to be. And, and they need help. Yes. That's, that's what we're for. Yeah, and, and that's the uh, the kind of the idea of postgraduate, right? So we think of, you know, I, I always try to think of this as a degree thing, right? You know, in your undergrad years, you are getting all of that training. You, you, your teachers have a pretty tight grip on you and rain on you as far as what they allow, what they won't allow. You know, uh, if you live on campus, especially, there's a lot of rules and a lot of, you know, yada, 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 yada. But once you get into the postgraduate work, your master's, your doctorate, whatever, uh, they they require a lot more out of you. They give you more freedom, uh, but yet still provide the safety of guidance so that if so that if you do something out of the box and you fail, quote unquote, they'll be there to get you back up and to guide you through the process and things like that. And and, and that really is the 
the vision of what we want to do. We want to give them a safe place, not to fail. We hope they don't fail, but we give them a safe place then to grow and to learn, uh, to fill those shoes and to see what God has for them. Yeah, that God calls it in the Bible abundant life. Yes. Zoe, I think, is the Greek behind it. And uh, that's, a, that's a big word when you look at it, to study it. And uh, there's so many aspects of it. But, you know, I, to be honest with you, a couple years ago when we first felt called and I talked with Phil about it and then we put a board together, we, we didn't really know what we are doing. We didn't have a clue. I didn't, I've never been around addiction, so I didn't know anything about it. I was kind of shocked that I felt God call me into it because I'm like the most ignorant person when it comes to that. I didn't know. All I know is that I believe God can change things for the best. Yeah. And that there was a big need. Yeah. So how did God call you into it? You know, it's uh, interesting how that worked because I had a different plan. <laughs> you know, Don't we all? <laughs> and, uh, God just totally changed that one. I, you know, I was going to be a big developer of low-income housing properties and create a a big income stream so that I could fund somebody on the front line doing all these projects and hard work and ministering to people. Well, God said, no, that's not exactly the way I see this going. And what happened, Larry, to answer your question directly is Phil Gabriel uh, had been at the Trinity Life Ministry for a couple of years and he called me one day. He's like, hey, come see what God's doing out here at this new well, it's not a new work. It's been around for 35 years now. But come come out here and see what he's doing. And I was like, great. He's like, be here Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Like, Fantastic. He didn't tell me anything else. Yeah. Well, I'm working for AT&T, a big telecommunication company. Uh, and uh, so I don't ask very much. And I'm busy, right, as we all are in the rat race. Until 7 a.m. when I'm in the truck driving over there, I call him. I'm like, okay, so... Uh, what am I doing? Am I like am I like teaching something for my devotions? Am I am I interacting as a small group Bible study? You know what is this? I've got on my nice business outfit, hundred and twenty five dollar shoes. You know I'm like dressed for business. Yeah. And when he drops the bomb on me and tells me, "Oh no, probably should have told you," but most of these guys are like fresh out of prison, two or three weeks, and there's going to be about thirty of them who are going to get into this little confined space together and do some praise and worship and a local pastor is going to teach. And I'm like, all I heard was guys fresh out of prison and I'm dressed like a, in a suit. I'm like, Oh no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then I'm nervous. Right. I'm like, I'm like, my voice starts to lower and I start to do this Sylvester Stallone. Cause I'm like, I'm not a tough guy. I'm more like a Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> <laughs> White Pillsbury Doughboy. I'm not tough. You know, I'm like, Oh man. Because he's describing how don't don't worry they're they're nice you know yeah they got tats and I'm like what's a tat a tattoo you know because I'm naive I don't know anything and he goes yeah but but you're gonna be safe and I'm like oh, you know I'm starting to get a little worried and, uh, <laughs> but I go over there just to cut to the quick and I loved it yeah you know, that's what happened I fell in love with these guys because I see them singing praise and worship to God like I do. I see a local pastor come out and start teaching him, and they have their Bibles open, and they're, they've got multiple color highlights, little stars and arrows and underlines, and I'm like, that's what I do. Yeah. Before I know it, I had connected on a spiritual level, and the, the stigma and the fear was gone in seconds. As yeah. soon as I saw that, I was like, 
these are regular guys. Yeah. And I talked to a guy next to me afterwards. He looked like Jesus with tattoos. And he was a super nice guy. Uh, and he had graduated. And we talked about why he was coming back there and how that he needed to. It was a, it was, it was not optional. Like sometimes we as Christians view church as like, yeah, it's a nice thing to do and go see my brother or sister. It was, it was required. Right. He had to stay in fellowship or he would relapse. Yeah. And so he was here because he knew that Christ had to be the center of his behavior and his activity. And I was, and that guy, I met him a couple times afterwards. Uh, he, he and I are buddies now. And I just thought, this is amazing. You know, in my mind, uh, the verse in the New Testament talks about where Jesus says, the fields are white with harvest. Yep. And I was like, these guys are hungry for the Lord. Yes. And I I guess I have a little evangelism and pastor in me, and I, I couldn't wait to go again. Yep, yep. That's you, what happened. It's, it's funny you mentioned both of those things. Uh, it, it, it's Because that was... A similar experience for me, but from a different perspective, because as you know, and, and as uh, our, our audience knows that I, uh, I did struggle with addiction growing up and, uh, and I have that kind of personality. And I remember uh, when Phil uh, invited me to come for the first time, he said, just come, come check it out, you know, and I knew what I was getting myself into. I knew it was a worship service. Um, <laughs> so, so there was no suit wearing for me that day. Um, and I came and checked it out, and I remember as I sat there and I saw these guys worship Jesus, yeah. hands up in the air, yeah. and singing as loud as they could, and yeah. uh, guy playing guitar well and singing mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. I thought, for the first time in a long time, I was around my people. Yeah, I was around people that I could relate to, yeah. that loved Jesus as much as I did, mm-hmm. and understood the reason why. Because we had come from so such bad circumstances, yeah. to get love the way that we do yes. is phenomenally changing. Yeah, whoever is forgiven much will love yes. much, or something like that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and you could see it. You know, I sit down at lunch with them, and uh, you know, ask the guy next to me, "What's your story?" <clears throat> yep. He told me, and he, he'd been there for two weeks. He's quoting scripture to me, yep. and, and not like, you know, monotony, this is what it is, but like with full meaning and heart. Yes. Uh, you know, hey, Romans 8, you know, I know there's no condemnation for me anymore. That's puts right. It, puts it in his way of how he had received that and it became a part of him. He meant every word of it. And I yeah. was like, that is, ah, I was, it's contagious. It's contagious. That's a great word. It's a, it's contagious. And I, to this day, my best, uh, my best students in a, um, uh, in a Bible study are the ones who are either a in prison or b in rehab. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, every time mm-hmm. I had a guy in prison who took notes, such good notes that I could on any week during the series say, hey, what did we learn four weeks ago? And he would flip over to that. He would give every point, every illustration, every every scripture, the things that we said, the things we didn't say, that he had questions about, everything. And and, 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 and everybody was doing it. It wasn't just him. It was everybody. And, and that's really like the... Uh, you know, for me, and I think it is for you too, that's the draw to this kind of a ministry. We have a, a uh, an audience that is hungry 
Yes. Yeah. So I want it to be real. Yeah. And that's this is more real Christ-like faith than I had ever seen. You know, sometimes we go to church and we pull a little bit of our Facebook mask over and we know what to say and what to do and we're afraid to be real and to share that, you know, hey, I'm struggling with this problem or that problem. But these guys are so transparent and so broken. They'll tell you anything and everything. And it, I went there thinking I would be ministering to people and I got ministered Yes. To. I went there thinking maybe I can share some of my faith and encourage somebody and they they grew my faith and encouraged me and that that's just the men that have been there for a few weeks you meet the staff they're some of the most broken honest sincere uh, guys you'd ever they love the lord and they love what he called them to do is just to to love on these men and it, it's it's no wonder that their lives are changing and that they put their faith in christ because the staff yeah, their life coaches and stuff—they're very real. And yeah, so I felt good about the whole thing. I knew Phil for a long, long time. Now I know the staff. Now I see the fruit, and I'm like, "What can I do?" Yeah. So let's talk yeah. about that because when you first got that question, at some point, an idea for CTP came to life. What What was it? How did the Lord lead you to start this kind of a ministry? Yeah, that's a good question too, and it, and it didn't start right away. I didn't really have any CTP in mind, um, I thought, what can I do, you know, and so I just asked Phil, I was like, I don't want to recreate the will, what do you need help with? He goes, I need a businessman. I'm like, okay, I've done that whole life. <laughs> Yeah, right, yeah. What do you need? Oh, we need help with finances and budgeting and planning and capital expenditures and loans and contracts. I'm like, cool. So I started doing that and I went over to their corporate offices and met Dina, their admin over there, and we hit mm-hmm. it off right away. And and I just began to look at their books and make some suggestions and figure out how to create a little bit more positive cash flow because they don't charge the guys, right? It's free. Right. I'm like, wow. Which is an amazing thing to begin with. Yeah, it really yeah. is. I mean, the cost is, I don't think Phil is going to be frustrated to hear this. We've talked about it in public before. It's about 12000 a man per year. So 1000 a month if they make it all 12 months, then $12,000, food, clothing, shelter, all provided. Um, and it was, I was like, okay, they, they need some cash flow. Yes. You know, every ministry is usually living paycheck to paycheck. And I, I love rich dad, poor dad. I love all the books about cash flow and assets. I'm crazy like that. I'm a math geek. And so I realized that God would want me to use my financial knowledge to help fuel this ministry so that he can continue to love on and save other men. And that's how it started. Yeah. And then I do what I've been trained to do my whole corporate life is, we call it discovery. Ask questions. Try and find where where are the other areas of need. And, you know, and then I began to talk with other people. I met Tim Mosier, our, our acting executive director here. Uh, he came to a banquet and he and I sat across from one another with our wives and we began to chat. No idea still. That CTP is going to come about. Yeah. We just think we're meeting one another and we yeah. start talking. And he's over there volunteering. He's taking a bunch of volunteers with him and he was doing discovery. What do you need? He started out with, with him and his wife and his volunteers going over there. They cleaned out their refrigerators and refreezers, de- defrosted them, got them all nice and spick and span. They did landscaping around there because we didn't know what to do. Right. We just know, hey, we want you guys to feel loved and just meet them and build a relationship. Tim says that a million times. It's all about a relationship, and he's so 
So right. And so that's where we were for months. Yeah. Just building relationships and trying to figure out what, what could we do to make it better. And some time months later then, we begin to realize that even though these men put their faith in Christ, relapse still happens. The national rate is... It's a little over 90%. Yeah, 90%. That's right. There's. It depends on which report and which year that you read, but the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, uh, somewhere around 4 million people that go through our rehab centers. There's 14,500 rehab centers in the United States. About one and a half to four million people, depending on what you read, go through those right. every year. It depends on how they count, whether they graduated or whether they were there a week and then left. Right. It depends on which way you look at that. But the, the, the bottom line is millions of people, and those are, the, those are the ones that are looking for help. Yeah. Only about 10% of the people admit and look for help. So as many as 40 million people in the United States could be struggling with addiction. I don't know if that's a true number or not. That's a big number when you figure there's only 330 million of us here. But it's millions. Yes. And then I began to think about my grandkids. Mm. And I was like, whoa, if it's one in six, one in ten, you know, at that age that they go through that 12. Yep. I'm like, gosh, I don't... I don't want them to see one of their friends die from an overdose. Uh, and then I began to study about how do you get addicted, you know, what happens and, and the opioids and the sports injuries that lead to opioids and how somebody takes a couple pills because it hurts so bad and then they get addiction and then they steal from their parents and then that leads to heroin. And I, I studied all of this just out of discovery and curiosity and I'm a world changer. That's kind of my nature. And, and so I began to see it all add up to the need that once these guys graduate, where do they go? Well, they go back to their old stomping grounds. Their program's over. Yep. They're saved. They've got eternal security. Great. But they go back to their old stomping grounds, and guess what happened? That just broke my heart because God looks at us the same way we look at our kids. And who would want that for their kid? You right. know, my kid, they're not, just for the record. But if they did get addicted and they went through a one-year program, I wouldn't want them to go back and get re-addicted and have to live that lifestyle. Christ has a whole lot more hope for us and help for us than that. And so that burden just weighed on me as a grandfather. I was like, somebody's got to do something. Yeah. And then Christ or the Spirit or however he works said, how about you and it became such a strong desire in me I couldn't stop dreaming and thinking about it yeah and um, believe it or not one day I woke up and I just knew that I had to do something and the weird part Larry was there was a sense of urgency it's like hey Tom I know you have this grand financial retirement plan you're going to be <laughs> 65 you're going to retire you're going to have your pension and all these wonderful things and you're going to go travel and you're going to have this bank of money, you know, and it's right on track. And God's like, we're not waiting that long. Mm. You know, you're going to be 59 and a half and that's when I want you to quit. Yeah. So you can take some of your retirement. It's not where you want it to be. Do you trust me? Yeah. Do you believe I can yes. provide for you? 
I was like, well, I do, but I really feel a lot better if I kind of hit my number. Yeah. You know, he's like, no, we're, we're going to go now. And so I talked to my wife and she's, I pulled her through other world changer events. She's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she was gracious and said, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, we can, we can do this. And, and so at this point, we still don't even know what we're going to do. Yeah. We just know we got to do something to make an impact. And to be, if I'm totally honest with you, back then the goal was, okay, they're going to come out spiritually clean and physically clean. Let's come up with a plan to keep them that way. And that's right. all it was. Yeah. It's just no recidivism. That was the goal. Yes. But then Christ, over the period of the year and a half that we've been together, said, <laughs> would you have that for your, would that be your son's goal if he'd been addicted, just keep him physically clean the rest of his life? I'm like, well, no, I want him to go on to be something. Yes. You know, and I want him to grow and you're going to call him to do something that's going to be so exciting. And that's where God began to show me the vision is not to stay clean. <laughs> that's no. It's to go on and get this life that wins spiritually, that abundant life, that Zoe life, and all those scriptures began to pop out to me in my quiet times. And I was like, okay, God, I, I see yeah. your plan. I don't have a clue how we're going to do that, but we'll start taking some steps. So you you, may, you mentioned something really, really uh, important uh, a little bit ago uh, about that God told you it starts with you. And, and, you know, it just resonates within me because we, we live in a church culture that, that says uh, when we have a burden about something, we, we try to pass it on yeah. to somebody else who can do it. Yeah. Uh, when, in fact, a lot of the times those burdens are given to us so that we can respond to them, yeah. right? Because it starts with one. Jesus was preaching repentance first. Before he got the disciples, right, yeah. uh, and, and I think that's the model that we have that we have to follow. And then you prayed about it. You didn't just jump into a moat, right? You prayed about it. You let God mold it, challenge you, and then you sacrificed for it. Uh, which, if, if there's not a model for uh, for ministry, I have not heard a better one than that, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, you know taking responsibility for the call, praying through the call, sacrificing for the call, all that wrapped up in what Christ is doing with you, through you, in you, and to you. That's a very honorable way to say that. And I wish I could sit here as a great man of faith and say, yeah, that's exactly (laughs) how I saw it. But to be honest with you, even though I loved what I saw, I didn't really want to do that. I thought that my my way of making money and, and, and finding people that had that call was what I was supposed to do. And so I think it was confusing at first. I'm like, gosh, God, you know, I kind of had this plan for years. I've taught Sunday school. I've been an elder, a pastor. You know, I've done all these things. But I kind of thought that that's what I, my gift was and I was yeah. supposed to use that talent. So it was, it was a lot of confusion. It was a lot of soul searching. At the same time, all these positives and, and emotions and the spirit stirring inside of me. So I, I didn't do it because I was like a super Christian guy. I, I did it out of reluctance. I was anxious. I was fearful. I was, 
I was excited and joyful. I mean, it's like every, yeah. everything well, was all in there. But that's part of the call, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you think of you know Jonah. You think of Jeremiah, right? Um, Jeremiah especially always comes to my mind. Because we think of Jeremiah as a super spiritual guy because he's, he's a prophet and, and he was you know happy to do God's will. That is not the case. I mean, he says, I feel like you've tricked me and I've been, and I've been tricked. Yeah. Like this is not what I signed up for. And yet God still used him. Yeah. So it's not about the attitude. It's about the submission, right? It is about the submission. And that's what I didn't realize. Obviously God knew. Yeah. But I didn't know. Is because when I finally broke to the point where I was like, man, I, I have got to do this. This is just like, I just know. Yeah. It was, will you submit to it? And you got to remember, I'm totally ignorant of addiction. I don't know anything about addiction. I don't know. I don't have friends that know anything about addiction at the time. Yeah. I, I'm like way out of water. I, that, I'm so far out of the boat, I can't even see the boat, you know, and, and that's exactly where Christ wanted me because not only I'm 100% dependent upon him, yep. I'm like that little teeny child that's like, yep. Daddy, because I know, man, if, if God isn't right there, I am dead because I'm going to look like an idiot yep. in my own hometown yep. and run the heritage of almost 200 years. I'm like, okay. So I had to really believe that God wanted me to, no, God God wanted to do this. He didn't need me. He could have raised up anybody, but he wants this so bad. And I just happened to be one of the guys that was listening, hopefully, yeah. to his voice at the time. And the thing that really nailed me was the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. Yes. You know, because I've been the priest and the Levite yeah. to walk by the other side. Right. And it's kind of like he used that to show me, now it's time for you to get off your mule there, walk <laughs> over, stop from your little business trips, yeah, and, and be the guy that stops. Yes. Stops. Even though it's scary, even though bandits could be hiding around, and this is a trick, a trap, he's just faking it. Yep. Uh, or maybe he deserved it, and that's why. Maybe Why did he travel alone? You know, you don't do that on this road. You should have known better. It's all his fault. I could have easily blamed him. You know, that's the addict that's over there. Yeah. But God's like, I want you. This is the secret of life. That's what that lawyer started that story with. Yep. That's the secret of life. And he says, this is it. Love a total stranger and with nothing for you to get out of it. And you're taking all the risk. Yep. If you love me, that's what you're going to do. If you want to find out what life is always really about, then let's go do that. I'm like, well, this definitely qualifies. And so I was like, would I submit? Yeah. And that's where it ultimately came to. And, and, when, you, and when you know nothing of the subject matter in which you are being called, you have no choice but to submit. Yeah. I, I had a drill sergeant teach us. Um, you know, how to shoot weapons. I had not shot a weapon before the army. Just hadn't, right? That's probably a good thing. Hey, that's what he says. <laughs> he said that the best shooters are the ones who uh, who come in with no experience because we can train them yes. how to be a good shooter. The guys who grew up shooting already have bad habits formed within them and, and it's harder to train them. Yeah. But they can be trained if they listen to what we tell them. Yeah. And, and and this is this is the case whether in our, in our ministry whether you're like me who comes from a history of addiction, 
or you who comes through no history of addiction, both of us have to be willing to submit to God. It is easier for you to do it in this scenario because you you uh, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Right? It's that and you have to believe that God really wants this to happen yeah. and that he has a plan. And that's the right thing to do. And I was like, okay, I, I know yeah. you know what you're doing. I've studied this. I really believe that. Yeah. And, but I believe that he wanted this to happen. It reminded me of another story in the New Testament where they invited all the people to the wedding and nobody would come. And he's like, hey, go out and get everybody else. Yeah. Everybody else in the street. It reminded me of, hey, the Jews of the Old Testament, those are the good guys and Gentiles are bad guys. And then all of a sudden, the mystery is revealed and they pull up Paul. He's like, go minister to the Gentiles. Yep. And I was like, it reminded me of that. There's so many different things in the Bible as I began to rethink and God began to give me these dreams and the Holy Spirit bring back these uh, scriptures. I was like, yeah, this has been done several times before. Yes. Uh, and this is nothing for God. So yes. I knew he could do it. And I really believed that he wanted to. Yeah. And believe it or not, the only thing that I really knew at that time, Larry, is that he not only wanted it to happen in Henderson County, but he wanted it to happen in every county in the whole United States. Yeah. So much so I couldn't sleep. I get up at 530 in the morning. I'm Googling how many counties in the United States. There's like 3,650 of them. I'm like, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Let's do it in one county and let's get it right. Let's get our quality yeah. controls, you know, if I can put some business terms to it. So I'm kind of like two parts uh, Jesus follower and one sprinkle of businessman. Yeah. You know, and I think that's kind of what God wanted in this to take a different perspective because our government's thrown trillions of dollars at it. And it's, if you graph it out, it's not getting better no it's an exponential curve that's yep. out of control and i'm like it, i'm like okay well <laughs> can't yeah. be worse well the government has made it harder to access certain drugs but yet yeah. uh but yet it becomes easier all the same yeah. time because now it's in the black market yeah yeah you uh you mentioned the fact that you know nothing about addiction and 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 you know obviously you you don't have addiction in your life you don't have addiction in your family's life uh, but at the same time, I, I, whenever I hear that, uh, as not as an addict, but as a Christian pastor, I, I always say you have more uh, experience with addiction than you know. Oh yeah, it's called sin. Sin, <laughs> sin, exactly. sin is an addiction. I just didn't know that flavor of it. But. Yeah, no, exactly. But I think I think though, you know, that this specific nuance of addiction uh, is is something that. I am very excited that you have been called to, obviously, as I'm, as I'm now partnered with you, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. <laughs> and I, as am I. I think you're perfectly called and that you're the right guy for this. And so all of your experience and training and all of your tragedies and triumphs that God's done through you and with you are all for this time that he's foreseen. And I don't know. I don't know if it'll be a movement. I don't know if it'll stay in Henderson County. But you know what? It's not my plan. Right. Uh, and so it makes it, you know, his, my burden is light, he tells yes. us. And I really believe that. And when I feel like it's light, I know he's in control. And I feel like I got the world on my shoulder. I'm like, oops. Yep. I think we have, to, there's two responses to a dream. We, we can, we can uh, dream big and fulfill the dream ourselves and not reach the potential God wanted us to do or just fall flat on our face. Yeah. Or dream big and let God do the rest. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what 
the most success comes from. You know, me too. Um, I think when we uh, when we dream and we let God take the dream and take it the way He wants it, then whether it's a huge success or a very intimate success, it's still a success, yeah. right? Uh, and we need to be happy with with both, right? Yeah, and. And that's, you know, to have the spiritual context that you just wrapped around it is so key. That is the foundation. And that got laid over maybe six months. And then you step out and you begin to become a little more pragmatic on, okay, God, you know, it's time, Nehemiah, build the walls, you know. How much gold and how much cedar and how much brick or whatever they put together, you know, it's all in the Old Testament, but... I was like, okay, we got to that part, and then my flesh starts to kick in to like add all this up. How much is this going to cost? And then if you do the math times thirty six hundred counties, how much is that going to cost? Whew. And I'm like, okay, um, I need like seventy trillion dollars. And I'm like, okay, I got I got uh, three hundred and thirty five Facebook friends, so divide seventy trillion by three hundred thirty five. I just need everybody to give. You know, like $565 million. Oh, is that all? Something like, you know, I'm just making this up. But I was like, and I got nervous. Yeah. I was like, and I couldn't sleep. Yes. Because I took ownership back from God. And I was like, okay, I need to be the fundraiser. And thank you, God, that you made me such a great fundraiser. Because nobody else could do this. I'm, yeah, you picked the right guy. And I try to live up to what I think are Christ-like expectations. And then my anxiety is so high that I can't sleep. I know... Okay, the burden's heavy again. What am I doing wrong? And I began to just pray. I got up earlier and did more quiet time. I was like, God, I'm a nervous wreck, so this isn't of you. What am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. And I don't know how he showed me. You know, it wasn't like a boy spoke or nothing, Larry, but it was kind of like he somehow he communicated to me without words. You focus on the people, and I'll take care of all of the money. Don't worry about that. Mm. I've got that. That's good. I've got all the cattle on the hill. Trust me. You know, Philippians 4, what is 13 through the end of the chapter, one of those in there that he provides for all of our needs. I'm like, okay, uh, that's great because I was like a nervous wreck just right. trying to figure out how can I even get $100,000 just to start? Yeah. I don't know. You know, and it's not like I've gone out and done this before. I don't know. I know a lot of people. But that gave me peace. Boy, it just, when I really believed that in my mind, I had this one dream. I'm asking myself, should I say that or not? Probably shouldn't. But something I dreamed about happened, and it was like a one in a bazillion. Yep. And I was like, uh huh. Okay, God, I guess you're serious. So I stopped focusing on that. And I yeah. just assumed we're going to have all the money in the world. Just go get the people, pull together a team. We had the launch back yep. on August 1st. You came to that as part of the executive team. 75 people show up uh, like these are the Good Samaritan types of people. I'm like, okay. And then Tim already had a bunch of volunteers. I think he got a couple others from that launch. And we just began to serve like Good Samaritan style and assume that all the monies would be there, still not even knowing right. what are we supposed to do. Right. Yeah. And and, and this just in a personal way to see how God showed up time and time again. <clears throat> you know, uh even in my own my own journey to CTP, uh God made it abundantly clear um, you know, that this is what God wanted wanted me and Heather and the kids to do and 
Um, and we're, we're just so excited. So, okay, we're, as we wrap up, because I want to make sure we respect your time and the time of our listeners, <clears throat> uh, I, I want to I make this practical for our listeners and not just informative, sure. right? Um, here you are, a, um, a Christian, um, you know, a middle-class Christian, you know, you, you have a good family, you come from a good family, you have a legacy to kind of protect, so to speak, you know, um, you're a lot like a lot of people in our county, sure. right? What do you tell them? What, what do you tell them about the risk, about listening to God, about doing the uncomfortable for the sake of God? I say, go for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ephesians 4 tells us that God gives every single one of the members of his family, those of us who believe, a gift or gifts. And that the purpose of the church is to build us up and equip us in those so that we can go do whatever he calls us to do. Somehow, I don't know, it's like today our culture and Christianity is a little bit muffled sometimes and, and we start to think, oh, well, that's the pastor or the elder or the deacon, you know, and you need to have a position in the church to do that. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible clearly articulates that he wants all of us doing whatever he calls us. He's got an entire body of Christ. Yes. And it's not just uh, on Sundays. It's every day. And it's where we work. It's it's at school. It's yeah. at college. It's it's in our neighborhoods. Uh, it's all around us. But sometimes I think we get so busy, and I was in the rat race, we, we don't realize that we're not answering God's call. We don't even hear him calling sometimes. So I think the first thing I would encourage people to do is spend quiet time. Yes. Get up in the morning, get up earlier, just spend 15 minutes. And yeah. the hardest thing when you get in there is try to stop thinking. Yep. So that God can have a chance to start talking. Yep. And sure, we can pray and we can talk to him and then we can say, see you later. But if you can get to that point where you can listen, you know, and that happens in a lot of different ways for different people. And I don't have it all figured out, but for me, it was just telling God, hey, I'm here and I don't know what to do. Yep. I don't know how this works. And well, so I'm a talker and I'm a I'm gonna study the Bible or I'm gonna put on Christian music. But I tried to allocate some time to just listen and to try and let the spirit, however he communicates without words, yes. sometimes just begin to tell me. And then there comes a point, Larry, where you just gotta you know and you just gotta you gotta go for it. Yep. And it's scary, but it's it's eventually rewarding just because it's so exciting to see things happen. It doesn't happen right away. Maybe that's part of our faith walk. Yeah. You know, it's like, gosh, I've been doing this for two days and nothing's happened. It's yes. Like, might take a little longer than that. Well, you know, there's there's two texts that pop into my head based on what you said. And the very first one is when um, I think it was Samuel. I can't believe I'm just skipping on the name right now. But when he was, when he was living in the temple uh, and he, God's called him three different times. And on the very third time, he yeah. says... Here am I, your servant. Yes. I'm listening. Yes. So the first, the first thing is to listen. That's what you said there. Yes. And then, but the second one is coming from Isaiah six, when he, when he is, you know, put in front of God in the full presence of God, and he's saved by God through the, uh, through the, uh, the coal on the lips. Yeah. And God says, <clears throat> "Who will go for me? Who will I send?" And he says, "Here am I. Send me." So it's both of those stories. It's here am I, here is, 
your servant. Yeah. I'm listening. Now send me. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and I think that's, that's just the basic nuts and bolts yeah. of what we should be doing. Those are good. Listen and respond. Exactly. Listen. And what was the first thing he told all the disciples? Follow me. Yes. You know, it's like, okay, well, first of all, what are you saying? And where do you want me to go? You yep. know, it's hard to be a listener. You know, I think of the Jeremiah one where he's all scared about King Ahab and Jezebel and he went and hid in the cave and. I think a lot of us today feel like we're in a cave because of the pandemic and we're sick and tired of being in the cave and we're fearful and yep. anxious and we watch the news and all these negative inputs into our lives and our, our lives are a mess. They're anxious and fearful and, you know, we're doubting everything and it's like, well, God has a plan for that and, and, and the cool thing is if, if we would just listen, stop all these negative inputs and just let God start to plug in through his word and his spirit into your life and if you take that step, then something happens inside where, you know, same thing happened to to Jeremiah. And then when, when he came out of the cave. Elijah. Elijah, thank you. I was like, it's not Jeremiah. <laughs> but the concept is still the same. Like, he came out of the cave and he was like a new a new guy. You know? Yeah. And that's what's happened to me. And I didn't know that was going to happen. I... I did what you said. I just submitted because I felt like this is important to God, so it's important to me. I didn't know all this other part of joy and excitement would rush in, and it counterbalances all the negativity going on in our lives. So I would say, man, if you're out there and listening to this and you're feeling anxious or afraid or fearful on all these things that in our minds because of our, our world today, well, do what we're talking about in this broadcast is is go spend some quiet time, listen, and let God tell you his plan for you, specifically what's your part as part of the body of Christ, and then find some other people to wrap around you so that as a team, you go take one step, whatever that step is, and God's going to rock your world, and, and you, you're still going to have all that fear, uncertainty, and doubt, but you're going to have something positive that's really exciting that's, that's, that, that is that... That is that abundant life, that plan that God's got for you. And if you can just tap into that, the fear, uncertainty, doubt is not as strong. It's still there, but it's not gonna it's not gonna kill you like it does without it. Yeah, yeah. And so first off, I want to thank you for being part of the podcast today. Um, it really is an honor for me to have you here. Uh, you know, uh, you are a spiritual giant in a lot of people's minds, uh, and I know you don't accept that, and you don't want to accept that, and that's fine. You can be. You know, you can you can uh, you know scold me later afterwards, uh, but uh, I really do appreciate your faithfulness uh, to CTP because I mean, had you not listened to God, I wouldn't be in this position today. Um, so I appreciate that. Uh, but just as a reminder for everybody who's listening, uh, as we continue in our uh, season of our podcast, we are going to be talking about addiction. We're going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to be interviewing the four new residents of, uh, of CTP uh, and getting their story and learning their lessons. Uh, and I, so I hope you come back for that. We're also going to be talking to a, a close friend of mine who, who got out of the prison system just recently. And, want, and we're going to talk about what that was like and, <clears throat> and how he's trying to uh, you know, gain a new life now afterwards um and then uh so we're going to be it's going to be a great season full of of insight and and wisdom from people who've been through it 
and people who are working in the trenches. So I want to uh, I want again thank Tom for being a part of the podcast. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by. Uh, community transformation partners and if you would like to learn more about CTP you can go to our website communitytransformationpartners.org you can email me larry at communitytransformationpartners.org uh, and on the website or via email, you can sign up for our newsletters. You can find out how you can you can donate both financially or physically if God is leading you to do so. Uh, we are going to be doing a worship gathering here in the uh, in the future. And so, if you want to hear about more about what that looks like and what we're going to be doing, just send us an email. We'll hook you up with the newsletter that sends out once a month, and you can learn from there. Um, so, with all of that said, guys, thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. And as always, peace, love, and soul.